game, the lesser ones, and go home. That's for the money makers. So about 30 years ago it happened, and it is full steam ahead right now. I might point out to everyone this book, Fourth and Long, uh, John embedded himself in four into four football programs, Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan, and Northwestern. Why those four, John? Uh, good question, Ron. And even though we're talking at a macro level about the NCAA and so on, this book really gets inside the locker room. It's not about uh, the system and all that, of course, around it. Um, it's around the, about the people who are inside those locker rooms. The Penn State players, I focused on them. Uh, at Ohio State, I focused on Urban Meyer, who is, of course, one of the biggest coaches in college football. At Michigan, I focused on the athletic director, Dave Brandon, who is probably the most high-profile uh, AD in the country, even though it's only his third or fourth year. And then at Northwestern, uh, sort of the odd duck in this uh, group, I focused on everybody from the president, Morton Shapiro, right down to the pre-med quarterback, Kane Coulter, uh, to see how this thing you know, can, work, can work when it's really rolling. And uh, it's a lot of fun to look at those four segments in that way. I sort of got a cross-section of the whole thing. Got you inside the locker room, got you inside the coaches' heads, uh, the players, and also a lot of, with the fans. But also in the case of the Big Ten, um, it's not obviously as competitive right now as the SEC is. They've won the last you know, half dozen plus uh, NC2A titles, Big Ten, or BCS titles. Um, but they care more about football than the Ivy League does, and academically those schools are higher rated as a rule than the SEC. So I kind of saw the Big Ten as the last college football's last best chance to make a stand caring about both academics and athletics at the highest levels. And I think the Big Ten does represent that. I'm sure other folks would disagree with that, but I'm ready for that. But uh, on top of that, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, three of the seven winningest programs in college football, boringly stable historically, of course, and yet all three of them within two years had to fire their coach and had to serve some form of NCAA probation, violations, and so on. So I never thought I'd see that in my lifetime, and it happened all three in two years. So the real question in all three cases is, how are you handling the transitions? And, of course, Penn State, as far as that goes, might be the more fascinating one. We'll talk about each of the schools in just a moment, but I want to read a quote about the book. And the quote says, none of Bacon's discoveries is more poignant than this. The last true defenders of the student-athlete ideal are players themselves, who even as money changes everything around them, are left to carry the future of the league, the game, and more than a century of tradition on their backs every fall Saturday. Are those players becoming collateral damage in this, uh, this battle? I'm afraid so, and I think more scarily, I guess, Ron, uh, they feel that way. They know it. No one ever talks to players about this stuff. Maybe they're not allowed to speak about this stuff. But talking to Mike Motti at Penn State, as well as Michael Zordich, a lot of other players there, uh, look, they're not dumb. They see what's going on, and it increasingly bristles when you see you know, money being made all around them, and they're knocking themselves out. And you go to a Starbucks in State College, and I've seen this, uh, the barista behind the counter will not even give you a free latte. One of them tried to give one to Pete Massaro, uh, the uh, defensive end for Penn State, senior. And the guy running the show there said, no, no, you can't do that. Joe Paterno, for strengths and weaknesses, you have to say, not only trained the team how to conduct themselves, but even the town itself. These guys will not so much as get a free latte at Starbucks. And meanwhile... You know, the, the commissioners and whatnot are making very serious money. So they're, they're getting wise to it. And one of the quotes in the book from Ron Warhurst, former uh, 
many time over Big Ten champion uh, track and cross country coach. He coached Greg Meyer, the last American to win the Boston Marathon. He said to me, one of these days, those Wolverine players are going to run out of that tunnel, sit down on the benches across the field, and not get up and refuse to play. You know, what's stopping them? One of these days, that's going to happen. And it almost happened in basketball, according to Taylor Branch in his great article in The Atlantic. And sooner or later, this is going to be pushed too far, and they're going to say enough. And if they don't, the fans might. Yeah, I have a friend of mine who played at the University of Michigan and said when you go into that stadium and you look around and you see 107,000 people and then you wonder, gee, I can't get a a stipend in order to make my life a little bit better, you shake your head. Let me talk about the Penn State situation because uh, that's the one that's garnered most of the attention uh, certainly over the last couple of years. And and Mike Mattio is somebody that was, uh, you know, in your book quite a bit talking about the program. Was that program as dysfunctional as it seems to be from people who read?